Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. You can have a seat today. Get your Bibles and go with me to Acts chapter number 14. This is the story of us. The book of Acts is not just a history lesson about how the church got started, even though you can find out about that. It's the continuing story of you, and it's the continuing story of me. And the Bible says that every story that's contained in it is an example for us on how to live our lives. In Acts chapter number 14, you can read verse number 1 through 7 on your own. We're going to be in verse number 8 through verse number 18. Paul and Barnabas are continuing their journeys. And like we said last time, there's this reoccurring theme of persecution that starts to follow them from place to place as they go preaching the word of God. In verse number 8, we pick up the story, and it says, In Lystra, a certain man without strength, everybody say without strength, in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Verse number 9, this man heard, everybody say heard, heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently, as Paul often did, you found him observing Bar-Jesus, right? Elymas, the, 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 the sorcerer, the false prophet. And as he looked at him intently, he said, oh, you full of all deceit, you son of the devil. You're going to be blind for a period of time, right? He intently looked at him and realized that this guy is not of God, he's of the devil. But now, here Paul intently looks at this man, this certain man, without strength in his feet, who'd never walked, lame from his mother's womb. Now he looks at him intently and sees something about him and seeing that he had what? He had faith. He had faith to be healed. He heard the word of God, and as he heard the word of God, something came alive on the inside of him. Something opened up and unlocked. And he was hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So Paul and Barnabas are declaring the word of God. He hears the word. He accepts it, believes it to be true. He receives it. And now Paul sees this guy's got faith, not just faith, faith to be healed. So verse number 10, it says that he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he was so rebellious, he didn't stand up. He leaped and he walked. Isn't that awesome? He says, stand up straight on your feet. And the guy goes, woo! And he just starts walking around. Because, I mean, the guy had never used his legs before. Never used his feet before. He said, I'm not just going to stand around doing nothing. Man, i got to use these things. These feet were made for walking. And walking is what they'll do, right? And so he just gets going. Now this, I see, is the gospel in its essence. The Bible says that while we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and that's me in the flesh. That was us before Jesus Christ. We had no strength. We were born into sin from our mother's womb. When someone says, I was born that way, heck yeah, they were. Why? Because we're all born into sin, aren't we? We all have a predisposition to go towards things that are in opposition to the things of God. But Christ died for the ungodly, and we heard the word of God, and when we receive that word as true, something comes alive on the inside of us, and we can be healed of that sinful disease. We can be healed, we can be restored to favor with God into a new position in a new family, and guess what? Now you get a new DNA. You are no longer born that way. You are born again into the new way. That means we can overcome sin and everything that comes against us. We can live a new life in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you were discouraged today coming in thinking that you had to be bound to your sin for the rest of your life. No, you can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, not loving your life even unto death. You can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can leap. You can walk. You can run. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching really good this morning. We haven't even gotten started. You don't even know the title of the message yet. 
Verse number 11, now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus. You guys remember Zeus? Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. They said these guys are the Greek mythological gods. Now, they didn't say it in those terms. We know those terms because we learned about that in junior high school. But they thought that to be true. They got the wrong impression and the wrong idea, and they started attributing to these men supernatural power. Verse 13, then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Verse number 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, look, look what they did. They tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We're also men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Notice that God made an allowance for that. He allowed that. Why would he do that? Look at verse 17. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. Romans chapter number 1 tells us what that witness is. It was creation. In creation, you can actually see the Godhead. You can see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by observing the creation. Because if there's a creation, then there is a creator. If there is a creator, then he would have a purpose of his creation. And if there was a purpose, then there would be a manifestation. There would be a revelation of what that purpose is. And that would mean that he would have to become man to become one of us to express that purpose and to show us the invisible. And therefore, there would have to be Jesus. See, from creation... You can capture the entirety of the Godhead. Wow. Wow. God did not leave himself without a witness and that he did good. Look at this. He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Notice they didn't go back to the history of Israel like we learned last week. Why? Because these are Gentiles. These are not Jewish people. That means that in this city, if they didn't go to a synagogue, that meant that there would not have been 10 Jewish men in that city because all it took was 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. So here they are, and they don't go to a synagogue. They go and they preach to the people. That meant that they were probably the only Jewish people there. And maybe they didn't understand what was going on at first because they're saying in the Lyconian language, they might have been going, I kind of understand what's going on, but are they really going to do it? And then they see the, the bulls and the reeds coming out, and they go, whoa, 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 you guys have the wrong idea, right? And so they come out, and they tell them, don't do this. We're men like you. Verse 18, and with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. In other words, they still had a hard time stopping them. Like, hey, guys, stop. Stop. No, put the ox away. Garland goes back on the wall. Okay, right? They could scarcely restrain them. See, I see Paul and I see Barnabas. And they're doing something. They're hitting the right mark. Title of today's message is Hitting the Right Mark. These men, as they ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, hit the right marks. They saw the word of God going forth. Someone receiving it by faith. And then the supernatural, miraculous power of God follows in confirmation to the word of God. Those were the marks of the ministry. But also, when it came time for someone to glorify them rather than God, they rent their clothes and they went and they restrained them and they gave glory to God. See, in their ministry, they were hitting the right mark. And I believe that you, because I know about me, right? I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I know that I want to hit the right marks in my life. 
that I don't want to miss the mark. You know, missing the mark is one of the definitions of sin. And therefore, we want to hit the right marks. I want to make sure that when God says something in front of me, and you, I know you, you want to do this too, that you want to hit the right marks. That there are things, there are places along the road, things that God has designed for each and every one of us. That we all would say, God, I want to be pleasing in your sight. God, I want to hit the mark. God, I want to make sure that there's a bullseye every time. And I believe that we can see in this story of Paul and Barnabas ministering, seeing a miraculous healing, and then restraining the multitudes. I believe that there are things on how to hit the right marks. See, it's one thing for me to come up here and tell you, hit the right marks. You'd say, okay, yes, pastor, I want to do that. And then you'd walk out of this place and you'd go, well, how on earth do I do that? Right? See, it's one thing to know what to do, another thing to know how to do it. And God never just tells us, hey, don't sin. I want you to live holy. I want you to live righteous. I want you to preach. I want you to teach. I want you to heal the sick. He never tells us what to do without also telling us how to do it and then giving us the power of his Holy Spirit to accomplish it. God will empower you to live this out in your life as you know how to do it. That means that we don't have any excuses, but guess what else it means? It means that we can do this. Means we can actually get a hold of it and hit the right marks with God. And today, if you'll listen, if you'll take notes, if you will apply these things to your life, I believe that you're gonna hit the right marks in every area of your life. First thing is this first thing, how to hit the right mark. Number one is this is that we have to expect more. Expect more. What does that mean? I believe that many times, maybe, maybe you're like me, many times we expect God to do certain things, but there's a level that we stop at. There's a place where we say God can do this. Maybe it's the level of our experience. Maybe it's the level of our knowledge of God. Maybe it's the level that we've seen God do it in other people's lives. And yet God is saying, hey, you know what? I'm so much bigger than the box that you've placed me in. Because I'm not a God who can dwell in places made with hands. God is not a God who just dwells in a temple. He's not a God who dwells just in a church. God is a God who fills the universe. Come on, our God is greater than we can even ask or think. God is bigger than our understanding. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's footstool. And the heavens are his throne. It says he stretched out the expanse of the universe. You know, scientists say that the universe is expanding. I believe that that's because they're seeing what God did when he stretched out the heavens. It says he measures the waters of the earth in his hand. We think of this earth as so big. We think of this, this ball that we're flying on throughout space as this massive thing, and yet God is just measuring out in his hand the waters of the earth. Our God is great. Our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. There's nothing that he can't do. He's not bound by time and space and matter and the laws of man. No, our God supersedes all those things. Whatever he says is what goes, and whatever he desires is what he does. Our God is a great, mighty, awesome God. And when we start to take a look at the things that God can and cannot do, we need to expect more from God. See, the apostles, here they are, they're preaching the gospel. And as they're preaching the gospel, the apostle Paul sees this man, and he has faith to receive his healing. So what does he do? He says in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. Why? Because he expected that that man was going to get healed at that moment. And yet we have a hard time sometimes just declaring the word of God. We have a hard time praying for someone to get healed. Well, God, I hope that you show up and do something. I've prayed those prayers. Don't think I'm getting down on anybody. But God will meet us at the level of our expectation. 
And that's why I believe that God wants to expand our hearts today. God wants us to believe him for more. See, uh, most people are not surprised when God doesn't move. Right? Well, that's just kind of the way it is. I voted and nothing happened. I, I went out and I, I gave my money to the church and didn't really see that increase the pastor was talking about during the offering time, right? God is standing there saying, you need to raise the level of your expectation. Even if it tarries, even if it waits, come on, somebody. Even if it takes years for it to happen, you need to place your heart on the Lord and expect that God is going to move. And oftentimes we're surprised at the depravity of men because they take things farther than they should, right? We're going to sacrifice to you, Paul and Barnabas. You're Zeus, you're Hermes, and we're going to start killing cows for you. And we're surprised, we're shocked at the depravity of man. We look around the earth, but what do you expect? Man is sinful. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things, that it's bent on wickedness and evil continually. We should know this from our B.C. days, right, before Christ. That's how we lived, we have a sin nature, and yet we still need to have an expectation that God can move in sinful humanity. Why? Because he did it in you, and he did it in me. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross and died, and he was raised again. Death has no hold over him. And so in the depravity of humanity, we need to expect God to move even in sinful hearts. That God can redeem a person. That God can bring them out of the gutter that they're in. That God can... Take a soul and clean them up and use them in a mighty way. Wow. We need to raise the level of our expectation. See, simple obedience will pave the way for the miraculous. If you expect that God is going to move, that means that when you start to declare something, you're expecting God to move. I was at a funeral yesterday and was reminded of a, a godly woman in our church by the name of Lori Gamp. Lori is one of my, my friends. She's one of my personal heroes. She went to be with the, the Lord. That, that woman could cook like no one's business. This lady just knew cooking. She couldn't see very well. And she would measure everything by how it felt in her hands because she couldn't see the measuring cups and all that kind of stuff. If she ever did have a measuring cup, she was like this, looking to make sure that it was going on. And one of her daughters stood up and testified that any time that they would start to get down on themselves, her mom would say, I strip those words of their power right now in the name of Jesus. And something expanded on the inside of my heart. See, I've got faith at a certain level, but my goodness, when someone starts speaking down and depressed, I tell them usually, hey, stop that. Don't get down on yourself. Start speaking life. Start speaking the right things. But, man, I, all of a sudden, my level of expectation started to grow because, man, I have the power to bind and to loose. I bind those words in the name of Jesus. They're not going to have any power over your life, and I'm going to release faith over your life. I'm going to release blessing over your life. I'm going to see with our children, with our spouses, in our marriage, it's time for us to declare the word of God and believe that God is going to move. You may not see results right away, but guess what? When you sow a seed, it doesn't just pop up and sprout and give you an orange or an apple or something right away, does it? It could take years for that seed to grow up and produce fruit. But we're so impatient because we've got digital downloads and everything's at our fingertips and everything's right now and everything is instant. We've got instant coffee. We've got instant oatmeal. We've got everything at our fingertips. You can have it delivered in one day. You have it delivered in two days. Same day delivery or it's free, right? We pay premiums for those things. We pay premiums for those things. And yet God is saying, will you sacrifice time and mental strength? Will you sacrifice the word of God and even looking like a fool standing out there on a limb by declaring the will and the counsel of God? Will you declare the word of God? Will you sow the seed of the word into your situation and expect that God is going to move? 
You say, how can I expect that? Here's the reason why. is because in the book of Genesis, it says that every seed produces after its own kind. Every seed produces after its own kind. That means that if you're in need of healing, that you find the healing scriptures. Find those seeds and start to sow them. By his stripes I was healed. He sent forth his word, his word and he healed me. Right? If you are in need of a financial seed, start finding the financial scriptures. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. I am blessed of God. My God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. I'm his servant, and he takes pleasure in my prosperity. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. How? By Christ Jesus. So you start to sow the seed and expect that God is going to move on your faith and on the seed that's sown in it. It will produce and you water it. What does that mean? That you means you meditate on it. You continually say it. You declare it. You put the word of God on it and you water it and you water it and you water it and it grows and it grows and it grows until it starts to produce in your life. Is anybody listening today? Andrew Murray, who was a famous preacher and author in South Africa, said, Beware in your prayers above all else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know everything that he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we can ask or think. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse number 19, in the New King James Version, it says, this is God speaking, he says, I have not spoken in secret In a dark place of the earth, I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. God is declaring something to you and to me today that we need to seek him. We need to pursue him. We need to run after him, but not in vain. God is not hiding his face. God's not playing hide and seek and laughing when we pass him by. No, God wants to be found by you and found by me. And so he's saying, I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. God is saying that his word is true and it's right for your life. So don't speak that discouragement and that depression. Don't speak circumstances and just the facts. No, you start to declare what God has to say about your life, what God has to say about your spouse, what God has to say about your finances, what God has to say about your children, what God has to say about your community, what God has to say about your witness. Come on, what God has to say. And expect that God is going to move. Anybody ever prayed those prayers that you're like, I hope so. Remember praying for someone one time that they get healed, and I was like, I don't know. I hope so. And then they came back, and they were like, Pastor, I'm completely, totally healed. Raise the level of my expectation. And the next time I went to pray, I was like, okay, God, you did it there. God, I know you're going to do it here. I've been so blessed to be able to pray for people in the foyer. Oftentimes I see people, they come to me and say, Pastor, do you remember me? Um... Most of the time I say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to let you all in because some of you guys, you're going to feel bad right now, all right? So let me just let you in on a little secret, okay? Pastor Dan might remember your face. I'll try and remember your name, but most likely after seeing 20,000 other people last week, you know, I don't remember everybody. But many times people say, do you remember praying for me? No, (laughs) you know. But I've had the delight of having some people, some of them I do remember. One guy came and he said, Pastor, you remember me? I remember his face. said, yeah, I remember you. He says, a year ago to this day, you prayed for me right here in this spot in the foyer. And I was going to jail. You prayed that the Lord would keep me safe and protect me and bring me out. 
I'm here today out of jail. And another young woman came to me and said, Pastor, do you remember praying for my dad? I don't remember praying for her dad. And she said, well, you prayed for my dad that he would be healed. He was given a certain period of time to live. And now, guess what? He's alive and well, completely healed today. Why do I tell you about that? Because I want to have a prayer line in the foyer. No, there's going to be prayer teams after church that will pray for you outside. They want to believe God with you, and they, they have better prayers than I will ever have. They've got greater levels of faith for that because they've seen the miraculous taking place. But here's the reason why. is because did you know that the same God that dwells in me, same God that dwells in our prayer teams, same God that dwells in you, and your prayers are not bouncing off the roof. Your prayers are not just hitting a wall and stopping. No, your prayers are reaching the ears of the Lord God Almighty. And when you will step up in prayer, when you will declare the word of God, when you start to believe God and step out and start to expect more out of God, then guess what? God is going to meet you at the level of your expectation. Can somebody give God a praise today? We need to expect God for more. But many times our expectation, when things start to happen, people will attribute to the wrong place. They'll start looking at you and they'll start looking at me, which is what brings us to the second thing is that we're going to hit the right marks. Second thing that we got to do is we have to clarify the expression of our lives. Clarify the expression of your life. What does that mean? What does that mean? You heard the expression, you got to watch your P's and Q's. You guys heard that expression, right? There's, there's an, another thought that I had about this, and that is that we need to watch our H's and C's too, don't we? Here's the reason why. In America, you go and you turn on the H and you get hot water. You turn on the C and you get cold water. But if you go to a Spanish-speaking nation, right? Now, now our Spanish-speaking pastor is over here on the front row, and he's already smiling because H is not hot, it's helado. Si? Comprende? Entiende? Quien entiende? Okay, I see who you are. But H is helado, and C is caliente. So if you go for H looking for hot, you're going to get helado, which means cold. And if you turn on the C looking for cold, you're going to get caliente, which means hot. You will be surprised in the shower. So we have to clarify the expression of our lives. Are we in an English-speaking nation or are we in a Spanish-speaking nation? That's why I pointed out that to the Jews, when they went to the Jews, they preach from the history of Israel. But here they are with the Gentiles and a Gentile audience, and they start talking about creation. You understand? There was a difference. They clarified that expression. And when they wanted to sacrifice to them as God's coming in the flesh, they said, no, that's not us. There's one true God who wants us to leave these useless things behind, and therefore you need to follow after him. Also notice that when Paul was speaking to the man, who is lame in his feet. The Bible says he spoke with a loud voice. There was no misunderstanding about who he was talking to and what he was saying. Stand up on your feet, right? Everybody knew. There was a clear call. There was an expression that came out of his life to that individual that they were able to believe, receive, and respond to. In the same way in our lives, I, I believe that uh, especially in, in our day and in our age and, and especially in these United States, that Christians have a problem. And our problem is, is that we've muddied the waters with politics. We've muddied the waters 
with social ideas, with, with social justice causes, no matter how good they may be, when it comes to who we are and what we're all about, it's muddied the water. There are Christian leaders who have aligned themselves with other organizations or with sin even in recent days. And it's muddied the waters about what we are all about. And it's time for the church to push past and get through all of the stuff, all the muck and all the mire. It's time to clear the waters. It's time to clear out those things. And it's time to express ourselves that I am a Christian. I am a believer. This is who I am. This is what I do. And this is what you can expect of me. Let's take a look at it in the Word of God, Philippians chapter number 2. I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified Classic. You're welcome to read it in any translation that you prefer. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That right there is a word for the American church. So we've got a whole bunch of babies bitterly complaining and fighting, infighting with one another, trying to bite and devour. And the Bible says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, without complaints. Quit being a baby. Quit crying. It's time to grow up, church. I'll get off my soapbox. Thank you for those three amens. But verse number 15 says, it continues the thought. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse number 15, the Amplified Classic. That you may show yourselves. Everybody say, show yourself. Oh, come on, shout it at me. Show yourself. Online, type it in the comment section, all caps. Show yourself. That you may show yourselves to be what? Blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated. You know when there's contaminants in something? There's mud, there's poison, there's different things mixed in. No, you are innocent, you are blameless, you are guileless, you are uncontaminated. It's clear. Who are you? Children of God without blemish. There's not a spot on you. Faultless unrebukable. That means no one can come and bring charge against the Christians. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Your leaders are perverse. You guys don't even know what you're talking about. No, no one can say anything to us about that. In the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, we know that the world is that way. Sinners are going to sin. We can expect that out of them, but we can also expect God to move in their lives, and we can also clarify the expression of who we are. The Bible says we're called to be different. We are a peculiar people. They're going to scratch their heads and look at you and wonder why you're not jumping in with them. When it comes time to go to the bar or to drink or when it comes time to put someone down or laugh at your boss at the coffee pot, they're going to wonder why you're not doing that. Here's the reason why. Because you've clarified, this is who I am. This is how I act. Those things are for you. Those things are not for me. Not that we're looking down our nose at anybody. Not that we're better than anybody else. No. But that we just know and we clarify the expression of our lives. This crooked and wicked generation is spiritually perverted and perverse. Among whom you are seen as bright lights. We know that whatever makes manifest is light, Right? We are bright light stars or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. Have you ever stepped out in the middle of the night and looked up and just had your breath taken away? You ever looked up and for the first time saw the Milky Way and were just in awe of the creation of God? Remember one time we were on vacation and they had this thing at the place we were staying where they had a, a telescope set up. And, and in the night sky at that time, uh, through a telescope, you could see Saturn with its rings. 
And I was like, you know, I was like a little kid again. You know, I was pushing kids out of the line, you know, like, get out of my way, kid, you know. I'm like, sorry, son. And then I, I was looking in, the, looking in the telescope because I just wanted to see Saturn with its rings. It looked like a little eyeball. It was so clear. It was so visible. And I was shocked because I'd only seen that in my science books at school and on television. And now here I was with my own eye taking a look through a glass and seeing something in the sky. It was beautiful. You know, when people see genuine Christianity for the first time, things that they've heard about, things that they, we, they know that we should be like, but when they see it in you and when they see it in me, it'll take their breath away. They'll have to pause and stop, and they'll have to take a look at the clarity of our lives, the expression that's coming out of the genuine expression, not just a post in the morning on Instagram. Not just a little note that's left on someone's desk, but a genuine expression of your love for humanity, a genuine expression of who Jesus is that points to the one who gave us life, that points to Jesus. When they see the light of the world pouring through your life, they're going to stop in awe and they're going to give glory and praise to our God and our Father. Is anybody listening today? We need to clarify the expression of our life, which brings us to the last thing is that if we're going to do that, we have to care deeply about God and others. We have to care deeply about God and others. I want you to notice the apostles. When they realized that these people were doing the wrong thing, when they got the wrong impression, and when they started going about a wrong course of action, what did they do? They tore their clothes. Now, in the Bible, tearing of the clothes was a sign of humiliation and undoing, because your clothing represented who you are, right? Just like you see someone in a business suit today, you say, oh, that's a businessman or woman. You see someone in, in, a, in like a jumpsuit or something like that. They might be a janitor. They might be a, a construction worker. You know, you see someone with a hard hat on. You know, they're, they're working some construction, working around heavy machinery, something like that. You can tell what people are. If they're wearing a uniform, they might be a police officer or they might be in the military. You can tell what someone is by what they wore. In the same way, in this time period, you could tell who the kings were because they had kingly robes. You could tell who the priests were because they had priestly robes. You could tell the artisans. You, you could tell the blacksmiths. You could tell the beggars by what they were. You could even tell families. You could tell who was a Jew by what they were. They would have had tassels. They would have had colors that they wore. There were certain things that they wore. So when they come and they grab a hold of who they are and they rend that, they rip that apart, it's irreparable, it's irreplaceable. They're, they're saying, who you think I am is not who you think I am. If you thought I was Zeus or if you thought I was Hermes, right, you thought that we were the gods come down to man, let me just rent what you thought of me right now. They humiliated themselves in front of the people. They ripped what they wore. They tore what they wore apart. Why? Because they're saying, your view of me is not the right view. And I don't want that view so much that I'm going to rip that off of myself and humble myself so that you can see the real me. They clarified the expression. Why? Because they cared deeply about the people. You know, they could have said, oh, just let them go. It'll be all right. We'll tell them later. They, they could have just allowed them to continue on. And they said, oh, they don't get it. Let's move on to the next place. No, what did they do? They ran in and they restrained the people because they were so disturbed by the wrong conclusion that the multitudes had of them that they tore their image apart and told the people the truth about God. We can see in our world that there are two kinds of gods. There are false gods made by man or the one true and living God who made man. There's either the God of creation or the God of our own creation. We cannot be content with our own gods. We have to have the one true and living God. 
And we cannot be content with others having their own gods that they created. We have to love people enough to tell them the truth. You say, Pastor, I don't know anybody that has an idol in their house. I don't know anybody that's bowing down and worshiping in front of a statue. But these idols, remember, are things that we've made of our own creation. Things like the idol of self. Some people exalt themselves above anything else. You know an idol is anything that gets in the way of you and God. See, if, if, if this is me and God's up here, right, and I'm worshiping God, anything that comes between me and God and that desires my worship, that is an idol to me. So that idol might be self, it might be pleasure. A lot of people chasing the latest, greatest experience. They want that adrenaline rush. They want to post the selfie on Instagram, right? There's that, that selfish image. There's that selfish pleasure pursuit that they're going after. Sometimes that's expressed in a sexual addiction. Sometimes that's expressed in a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. Sometimes that's expressed in an addiction to the approval, the applaud, and the praise of mankind. Sometimes that, that's expressed in, I need to get more likes. How do I follow for follow? Or how do I, you know, get more people to take take a look at what I'm doing. There's all of these expressions in our day and age. Sometimes it's the, the idol of financial gain, that people will give up everything. They will bow down and they will worship in order to receive financial gain. Sometimes it's accomplishment. People have this achievement on the inside of them that they're saying, I have to achieve so much so that I will bow down and worship anything that gets me to the next level. These are all idols in our life. Sometimes that idol could be sports. Sometimes that idol could be our children when we elevate them above God. Well, I guess, you know, the kids, they need, they need to be home. They don't need to be going to church. They don't need, and all of a sudden you've elevated your kids and they've gotten in the way of God. Sometimes it's our spouse. Sometimes it's a person. It's a girlfriend. It's a boyfriend. It's a celebrity. These are idols. We cannot be content with the gods of our own making, and we cannot be content with others bowing down and following these other gods because they will die and they will go to hell for eternity. And that should bug you and that should bug me enough to love people to life, to tell them the truth. The way to break out of this is to truly care about God. When you truly care about God, when you truly worship God, anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God is an idol and you will break that thing to powder and you will sweep it out of your life. Anything that tries, because it will try. Mammon will try. Political correctness will try. The approval and the praise of man will try. These things will raise up their ugly head, and they will try and get in the way. And if you truly care about your relationship with God, anything that gets in the way, you will destroy. You will demolish it. You will be just unbiased like, hey, no, it's getting out. And you will break those things down, and you will get them out. But what about others? Well, when you truly care about God, then the natural thing that will follow is that you will truly care about others. Because if I'm just trying to care about others just because I love others, others are going to disappoint me. Others are going to discourage me. Others are going to tick me off. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. They're going to make you mad. They're going to be stupid. Don't they know that they're stupid? But if I love God, and God loves people unconditionally, if I get God's heart, then I'm going to get God's heart for humanity. And because I love God, I'm going to see people the way God sees them as lost. I'm going to see people the way God sees them. This is a child who is strayed. This is someone that Jesus died for. He purchased them with his blood, and yet they haven't received the payment yet in their life. And therefore, if I love God, if I truly care about God, then I will truly care about others because God cares for them deeply. Romans chapter 10, verse number 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all 
who call upon him. God loves everybody. God loves you watching online. Maybe you didn't feel like you were worthy enough to come into a church service. Come on. Come on. We love you. God loves you. Cares for you deeply. And we care for you deeply. The first Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth number one, had asked a man to go abroad for her on a business matter. And he said, I sincerely wish I could, my queen. But my own business is so demanding it would suffer if I left. The queen replied, sir, if you will attend to my business, I will take care of yours. When he returned, he found the queen true to her word. She had indeed taken care of his business. In fact, he was better off than if he had taken care of the business himself. Today, if you will take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. What did we learn today? Three things. How to hit the right mark. Number one, we need to expect more. We need to raise the level of our expectation. Number two, we need to clarify the expression of our life. You can shine like that bright, shining star. And lastly, care deeply about God and care deeply about others. Can we just give the Lord a praise for what we've received from the word of the Lord today? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.